Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barefoot Mediator podcast, news and views from Jane Gunn and guests. In this episode, I speak with Harriet Whaley-Cohen. She is a fellow speaker who has been through multiple transformations and knows what it takes to make deep-rooted changes that stick and to get through tough times and come out the other side stronger and wiser. Harriet describes herself as a change catalyst and her mission is to make sure women know their true value and can make the impact they want to make in the world. So welcome, Harriet. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here with you, Jane, having this juicy conversation. I'm glad we remembered to hit record before we had too much of a juicy <laughs> free conversation. I know, that's the challenge, isn't it? There's so much to talk about these days, Harriet. And um, where I wanted to start with is getting to know you a bit more and where the passion for your work come from. Tell us, first of all, you know, what the, what the focus of your work is and then where where does that passion really spring from? The, the focus of my work is ultimately for women to know their worth, um, accept their worth and step into their potential. And, and I achieve that sort of in two different ways. First of all, bottom up, empowering women to own their brilliance and succeed through helping them with their confidence and their leadership skills and all, you know, everything around that. And the second way that I do that is from the top down as well, because actually you can empower individual women or groups of women until you're blue in the face. But ultimately, the water in the fish tank is stinky and needs changing. The cultural conditions yes. need work as well. And whether that's corporate um, or out, you know, out there in the big wider world, think things need to change so that women really can feel good about themselves and can step into their potential. So, so I do that. Um, and I do that through speaking workshops in corporate, outside corporate, and also through coaching programs, which again, in corporate and privately, um, I run, I run programs, whether that's one-on-one or my big annual women's leadership program, the Women's Success Accelerator. So yeah, that's, that's what I do. But I think the more important question, as Simon Sinek always tells us, is why, right? Why? And it's personal, as these things often are, which is that I I deeply did not feel good enough growing up for lots of different reasons. Um, And a lot of them were connected with the meanings that I attached to things that happened in my world or around me. Um, And I made them all mean that there was something wrong with me and that I wasn't clever enough. I wasn't, you know, all things as as a female, you know, all things connected with my looks and my body weren't good enough. Just so many different ways that I felt inadequate and the result of that was that I really wanted and needed a lot of external validation um, because on the inside I had so much self-doubt sort of crippling to be honest and when I was in my late teens when I was about 17 I got in a relationship with someone who was quite a lot older than me who really preyed on me um, groomed me, um, and some very awful abusive things happened over a number of years on every single level. And I don't want to go into the gory details because it's not helpful, but as anyone who's been in a toxic, abusive, um, grooming type relationship will know, it was, it, it was horrendous. And, and, and really what happened was that all my 
all my fears on the inside sort of came true. But I think that was part of why I allowed, did I allow myself to be treated like that? I didn't know how to get out, to be honest. I don't think I allowed it and said, please treat me like rubbish ever. And, and it was a horrendous time. Absolutely. Um, it almost cost me my life, actually, this lack of self-belief and not knowing my worth and having a really strong inner critic and not knowing how to get out and having been separated from my friends, friends and family and feeling deeply ashamed and all of this, I turned to drink, I turned to drugs. Um, and by the time I was 21, I was in full-blown addiction. I almost died in my early 20s. Um, and getting out of that relationship was absolutely key to staying alive actually and to to my future and I managed to do that in my mid-20s and quite soon after that um got help and got clean and sober as well and actually later this year I'm going to be 20 years clean and sober which seems extraordinary but that marked the beginning of my journey of letting go of not feeling good enough and finding a way to have a healthy relationship with myself but also to do life um which I don't think I had I didn't have a um, a way of doing life that helps me feel good about myself and through the recovery journey initially but then later on um, through uh, you know after I had my children I retrained um, and left behind my banking career I'd worked in investments for for 10 years and um, did lots learn you know because I'd been voluntarily mentoring young women who were also going through very difficult times and helping them turn their lives around and leave behind sabotaging patterns and leave behind addiction and build a life where they did feel good really good about themselves so I think that's the key to the addiction recovery piece actually is you feel good about yourself and how you're operating in the world and therefore you no longer need to numb out don't need to check out anymore you feel good about how you're operating and um, and I loved that. And, and so after I'd had my children and I'd left my marriage as well, which is another story that I don't need to go into. But, you know, marrying the person you meet in your rock bottom in life is perhaps not, you know, not going to be a great match later on. I yeah retrained in different modalities of coaching and public speaking and put together a business and relaunched, sort of relaunched my life. And I wasn't quite sure what my niche or passion or specialization was going to be initially. I think my mission statement was something along the lines of, I want to create contagious belief in the possibility for life-changing transformations. And then I realized that it was around women's relationship with themselves. And then I went, right, okay, this is about changing the way that women think, act and feel with their relationship with themselves their bodies and their potential massively for the better. That's what it's about. And that's what I do now. And I just don't want any woman or any girl to end up in these horrendous circumstances because they don't feel good enough. I want them to have an amazing relationship with themselves. But I also know that in order for that to happen, the cultural conditions have got to change. We've got to change the water in the fish tank because there are so many different factors, whether it's politics, religion, media, psychiatry, design, just so many different things that are tipped against women. And, and so it, we can try to you know, empower individual women but I think it's got to be a two-pronged or, or a you know a simultaneous two-tracked approach. Yeah. And, and I think 
through you know being a single parent I also went through breast cancer a few years ago I'd, I'd slightly lost the more activist part of me because I was in survival mode and I know you've had children you know what it's like when your children are small it's quite you know you they need a lot of your energy physically um, and I trained last summer with uh, Dr Jessica Taylor who's rad firm um shape very much shaking up the world of psychiatry and also doing some incredible work around systemic misogyny in this country she's written an amazing book called why women are blamed for everything about the victim blaming of women and girls and um i've been following her for ages online and and going gosh that's quite radical but i really like what she's saying and then i realized it was all evidence-based and i ended up signing up to be one of her first accredited trainers and i did the training with her last summer and that just lit the touch paper of, you know, reawoke my inner activist and almost gave me the permission I needed to go. We've got to change the big picture as well. We cannot just keep kind of fixing broken women. We've yeah. got to go, you know, as I think it was Desmond Tutu, wasn't it? He said, we've got to go upstream and find out why they keep falling in. Falling in and it was pushing them in. So yeah, exactly. Harriet, uh, you know, what? so you've managed to... Tr- change your world around and and there were reasons that you've now understood that you didn't feel good enough and that pushed you if you like into that toxic bond or made you stay there without realizing there was a better place so if we start there and then we'll look at what makes the pond toxic perhaps yes of course of course you to spin out what were the things because you you could have you could still be there couldn't you honestly i'd be dead and i don't say that lightly Um, I I wanted to live and I um I think I'd known for a while that I needed to leave the relationship but I was scared to because I there was a lot of threat involved particularly around certain things about me being taken to the media and I'm from you know, I'm from a good family and some people in my family are a bit high profile and doing amazing work in the fields they're doing it. And that that family shame was sort of held over me. And I had to get to the point where leaving that relationship, I, I needed to build up enough confidence, actually. And, and I got an incredible job that I only had for six months. But it was that job that where I felt really happy, really excited, where my value was seen. And I felt like, wow, I've I've really got a lot to offer here. And I also met some really great people there. And and a number of them I'm still in touch with, actually. And that that sort of extra confidence boost gave me the boost to think there could be life beyond. And yeah, um, and I was able to to leave. And that, that was the beginning of being able to turn things around but what was interesting was that having blamed for a long time and thought right well if I leave the relationship then you know everything else is going to get better I then found myself some months later still with you know um the the substance problem and kind of went okay I can't blame that anymore and then I had a big rock bottom around that and went okay that it's time now was kind of like, are we, get, are we going to go round the block again with all of this? Or 
is it is it the time is now and and at the time if you'd said to me as I lay in hospital because I actually had a really bad horse riding accident Mm. um, and was taken off in a helicopter and there was a brief period of about 24 48 hours where they weren't sure if my spine was broken what what was wrong it was literally lying in the hospital staring at the ceiling going this is what my life has come to is this okay and I I made a decision then that things had to change and then later probably a week or two later when I was you know I was very lucky I didn't break my spine at all no broken bones just damaged soft tissue um where I was hobbling around my flat on crutches and I still couldn't stop and I was like this is insane this has happened yet I can't seem to stop and that was the point where I asked for help um and it wasn't dramatic you know some people do have really dramatic rock bottoms and I I sort of think mine wasn't that dramatic but it was it was more for me an internal you know some people it's like they lose their home they're this they're that they end up in prison they do you know whereas for me I was literally sat on my sofa going I can't do this anymore I am absolutely broken and yeah yeah and what a blessing what a blessing there has to be a point somewhere there has to be that point that's at which you go I need to change something. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And you know what? Ever since then, when something needs to change, sometimes it has to get really bloody painful. And other times it can be very gentle where I'm like, oh, like last night I ate lasagna. And and do you know what? Wheat and dairy do not agree with me. (laughs) And, And I kind of, I was really bloated and my tummy hurt. And this morning I just went, not going to do that to myself today (laughs) I didn't need to go and eat three pizzas and this and that to then go oh you know (laughs) like one lasagna was enough (laughs) (laughs) but sometimes it does sometimes you need to eat pizza for a week you know to to really be in that painful state yes yeah Yeah. so Harriet what about the pond then so you know for 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 all of us I suppose uh, and for for many women there are opportunities to change you know we may have got stuck in a relationship or in a job or in a lifestyle or as you were addicted to to substances and something is a catalyst and helps you change or it might be something slower as you say or it might be just lying on the sofa with an uncomfortable stomach but something makes you then want to change yourself but then you talked about, but there's a toxic pond or, you know, toxic fishbowl. You know, what what is the society that we're living in that doesn't support us? And, you know, the audience to this podcast will be male as well as female. Yeah. So I appreciate well, I think um, we we are still in, you know, we, we, we have not reached equality, have we? I think we can all agree with that, that think, yes, things have improved. And thank goodness for that. But there's still a long way to go. And whether that's, you know, parity on boards or politically, the pay gap, maternity, paternity rights, whether it's safety walking down the street, whether it's, I mean, there's a fantastic book. Have you read um, Invisible Women? It's an amazing book about how the world is designed for men. So, for example, the COVID vaccine wasn't tested on women. And so when women started having disruptions to their menstrual cycle, no one had seen that coming because man is seen as normal in the medical world and woman is other. And so, you know, and things like 
when women have heart attacks, the symptoms are really different from men. Yet all the advertising talks about the male symptoms. So when women are having a heart attack, they're like, well, I'm not clutching my chest, falling on the floor, must be something else. Or the fact that car safety is all tested on on men and so women are uh, i can't remember the stats but we are much more likely to be badly injured in a car crash because the safety system is designed for male bodies the seat belt where yeah. where it goes on your body yeah, yeah and the damage exactly exactly and and it's all of that or the fact that psychiatry is used to excuse male bad behavior but to discredit women it's really and of course the media you know the media um i mean you know theresa may going off to negotiate brexit the conversation was about her trousers or whatever that just would not happen with a man um and we all know you know the way that women's bodies are attacked online or if a woman is assertive she's called bossy rather rather than being assertive and it's the thing that this is what i mean when i say the water in the fish tank is not conducive for women to thrive and I think that when I think about what the world would look like if women knew their worth and it was conducive I think that we would have better health mentally and physically I think there would be a fairer distribution of wealth I think that um, I think we'd have better environmental health as well and sustainability actually because it's um, when you look at masculine the toxic masculine energy it is about domination and it's about i win you lose it's not about collaboration or sharing or let's let's all rise together yeah and i and i think that bringing allowing the empowered feminine in will be hugely beneficial for everyone it's it's a bit like how you know all the mckinsey studies that show that when companies have a better gender balance higher up that they they make more money and and they grow more sustainably and the culture is better. Um, when you extrapolate that out into the world, um, I, I I think it's not just the women that are going to benefit. But the problem is because patriarchy is very much about dominance. It, it's about convince changing that water is also about convincing everyone that equality and equity don't mean dominance the other way. Because no wonder they don't want us to have it because they're thinking, well, we we don't want to be dominated, thanks, or treated like second class citizen, thank you very much. So it's about a completely different paradigm rather than a reversal of the current one. It's about shifting the energy, isn't it, Harriet? Yeah. And, you know, uh, and yes, you're right. I think uh, men recognising that these collaborative energy, if you like, can be more productive uh, and not just the sort of, as you're talking about, the sort of male domination or the male, that's the trait, really. It's not the it's not the male. Yeah. It's the no, it's the, it's the trait. And, it, and it's and it's what has been held up as, you know, well, men, you know, shouldn't have emotions and should be the hero and should be the breadwinner and all this kind of stuff, which which we know to not serve anybody and is absolutely a big contributor, isn't it, to the high rate of male suicide and things like that. Yeah, it doesn't serve anybody anymore. Yeah, and I, and I think we need everyone to buy into that. So I wanted to ask you then, Harriet, what you make of the times we're in. So we're talking mm. about where we've been in a sort of COVID uh, emergency situation, pandemic for a couple of years, and now we're just uh, experiencing 
uh, war in Ukraine. And, and actually, I looked at the pictures. I've been looking at the pictures and at the press reports. And I, where are the women? Where are the women in these pictures? There are none. Where are the women in any? Actually, I did see one of the female politicians who's still there in Kiev, you know, doing her thing. But this seems to me to be about domination and not about yeah. collaboration and you know we've lost we've lost that energy or it never well, was I think there. I mean as you so wisely said before we hit record <laughs> we have to be skeptical to an extent about the version of events that we're being told however it does appear to be doesn't it it's not about what is for the greater good it's about largely as far as we can tell one man's power grab a need for ego boost and you know and, and and all of that but I think that post-Covid and with everything that's happening geopolitically in the world right now there's this sense of the time is now it, it's actually time to stop messing about I was about to say a rude word then but it's time to stop messing about it's time to stop thinking that oh I'll do I'll, I'll, I'll make the change I want to make in the world or I'll go for the big dream next year now's not the time or my ducks aren't in a row so it's not the moment I think the time really is now. We never know when things are going to change. If you'd said to any of us not very many months ago, will there be a major war with a threat even of nuclear weapons in Europe? We would have we would have gone, you, absolutely no chance. Yet here we are. And I think it's also about people are very conscious now, having had all that time working at home and not dashing about of what's really important in life. And I'm seeing, I am definitely seeing a shift where success has been redefined to include well-being and family and balance. It's no longer just about money, career, status, you know, how flashy is your car, all that kind of thing, or how how big is your handbag, as it were. It's all it's very much the case now, I think. And, and we're seeing this with companies and and all of that, that they're now saying, well, if we if we succeed at this goal, yet half our workforce gets signed off long term sick with stress or burnout, that's not that's not success. And and we're seeing that, aren't we, in, in Jacinda leading in New Zealand that she said economic growth that comes at the expense of my country's well-being or, or environment is not success worth having. So I do think we're seeing success being redefined and, and very much, you know, with the great resignation that everyone's talking about. I think we're really seeing it, aren't we? And the future is one where people are prioritising more what really matters to them because they've had a big period of time to really get in touch with what really matters to them. And, and we, you know, we've all been sent to our bedrooms to think, haven't we? Um, <laughs> basically, you know, go and sit in your room and, and stare at the wall and think about what you've done to your life and what you've done to the planet. And, and we're all kind of emerging from this sort of mini apocalypse going, it's not, we don't, no one wants to go back. I think people really do want a new normal and, and there's huge opportunity in that. I think people are much more open-minded and companies are much more open-minded now to literally throwing it all up in the air and saying, what do we want it to look like? So we've learned a lot, Harriet, maybe over the last couple of years, and yet we're still going through a crisis. And I wonder now then what each of us needs to do individually, men or women, to lead the way forward. What do you see as, as those sort of leadership traits or things that we can each individually do to take us forward to a better world? Mm -hmm. I think I think now's the time to be really mindful and ask yourself, who am I? What do I stand for? What kind of world do I want to live in? 
and to actively play your part, even if it's just having those conversations with your children around the dinner table, even if it's, you know, as I say, just saying on a weekend, let's go to the park with a with a black bin bag and pick up litter. What whatever it is that really matters to you, go and play your part in creating that world. And I think very much now is the time to stand up and be counted. Um, we do all have to be the change. We don't have to, but I would encourage and invite people to to be the change and to not be afraid to speak up, not be afraid to stand up and be counted and not be afraid to to reject things out and out that, that you think don't serve you or the world anymore. That is the only way we are going to get there, isn't it? If yes. you just stand up and... Yeah, vote with your feet, vote with your wallet as well. And we talked again, we said not being about, not being frozen in fear. You know, there is this sense in that we can be frozen in fear because we just keep thinking, well, well, I'll sit and wait till the pandemic's over or now I'll sit and wait till this current crisis is over. And the answer is no, you know, get up and do it now. You can't keep waiting. Yeah, I, I think you can turn that fear or worry or whatever you want to call it, you can turn it into fertiliser. This is what I call the crap into fertilizer and 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 use it as energy to push forward. And I I wonder how many people in and around Ukraine now are thinking, kicking themselves and going, why did I not write the book a year ago? Why did I not do the thing? Because now the chance has gone. And I don't know what I literally don't know what the future holds for me as they're sat in their underground bunker, hoping that their husband, brother, father, whoever is going to come back. And 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 I don't mean that in a sort of leveraging and a not nice way off what's going on to make a point. I just sort of mean it in a like, let's stop. Let's stop wasting time. Let's stop wasting time, Harriet. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, who's inspiring you? And I don't mean global leaders. I don't mean iconic leaders. I mean, who's really inspiring you in terms of leading at the moment? Well, I am definitely inspired by the Ukrainian leader um, and and the, the cabinet and the politicians there who are not running off, who are, you know, really standing up and being counted. Um, I think I, the kind of leaders that are inspiring me at the moment are people among my friends, family and people that I'm following online who aren't afraid to share their point of view and call people to action. Um, there's a, a great friend of mine and colleague, Sarah Price, who runs a PR um, company, but she also has a separate venture called Actually, as in how to actually change the world. And it's for purpose-driven entrepreneurs. And instead of pumping out her usual content, she's totally switched and she's gone, right, these are the places to donate. This is how you write to your MP. This is what you can actually do. And I think those kind of leaders who are like tackling it head on, they're the people that I'm looking up to and saying, yes, you know, because there are some people in my industry, in the personal development industry, who are behaving as if it's not happening. I'm still getting the same old newsletters. I'm still seeing them on socials going, look at me with my 30K months and my new car. And it's like, look, read the room. (laughs) Read the room. Um, Yeah. And I I think, yeah, 
Yeah, it's the people who, who, I mean, I did a live on Monday, and obviously I don't know when this is going out, about dealing with fear and the opportunities that are here and, and all that kind of thing. Um, and I think I just think it's important to not ignore what's going on and to to absorb it because otherwise we're, we're sort of gaslighting ourselves into sort of keep calm and carry on, which I don't think is helpful at all. No, I think you're right. You've got to accept reality and yet not be frozen in fear and let that stop you from moving forward with your vision of a better world. So I think this has been brilliant, Harriet. I mean, we've heard about you know how you've overcome your own challenges to to help both yourself but other women to value themselves but also for society to value women but not really women but that fe feminine traits if you like of collaboration and caring and all the other things but also focusing on what is it that holds us back from creating a society that values those traits that's the thing i think we've got to sort of and then how do we all move towards creating that society? What can we do individually as men or women or businesses or in the global community to move towards that more caring mm -hmm. society, I think? Absolutely. And, and that's very much the theme I'm seeing actually in DEI across the board and politically is that the equality and equity and diversity have moved from box ticking yes. to what's the real benefit what's the real business case the real cultural case and and i think i think we're starting to win but i'd like to see it massively accelerated so what would your final message be to listeners harriet take action take action That's take it. action yeah don't leave it to someone else and your your action counts definitely counts Brilliant. And if people want to find you, to be in touch with you, Harriet, where, where do they find more details? Um, well, they can find me on LinkedIn um, and they can also have a look at my website, which is just harrietwhaleycohen.com, but without the hyphen in my surname. Harrietwhaleycohen.com. Brilliant. We'll put yeah. that in the show notes as well. Harriet, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Um, really inspired by you and your message. Take action. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast if you enjoyed this episode please share it with your friends and colleagues please do subscribe to the barefoot mediator podcast series and if you would like to access my free video series for managing in times of change challenge and crisis and download a pdf copy of my book how to beat bedlam in the boardroom and boredom in the bedroom please go to janegun.co.uk slash video the link is in the show notes